Welcome to Amplify Inclusion. I'm Claire from Aspire. Thanks for joining us for real stories and conversations about the power and importance of disability inclusion. Today, my guest is Jordan Saunders, CEO and founder of The Resource Key, a digital agency supporting businesses to focus on inclusive marketing by ensuring people with disabilities are included and making meaningful connections with brands. In 2020, Jordan was named among LinkedIn's top voices for equity in the workplace. Jordan and I spoke recently to discuss her passion for inclusive impact branding and the power of communication. Here's our conversation. Jordan, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me. So Jordan, your business, The Resource Key, focuses on inclusive branding to ensure people with disabilities are included and making meaningful connections with brands. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that means to you? So the resource key, if you can think of marketing and making sure businesses are being inclusive with the priority being people with disabilities and embedding diversity, equity, inclusion within marketing so that it's not a separate component. It's embedded into how businesses are marketing and making sure that DEI is aligning as well. So we do things from workshops, any type of community outreach, creative projects. So it could be an advertisement or campaign. And really the biggest thing is educating and going into the community and doing these different workshops and creative installations or whatever the client is open to doing to be able to align where businesses are starting to do these different things every day versus one-time event. So you're a licensed speech-language pathologist by training, and you started your career providing direct therapeutic services for people with disabilities. Yes. So one of the biggest things, though, that I realized working directly in the school setting or any setting that I was in was the lack of any adults or children that I was working with feeling included in the community. And the eye-opener was when I worked at the School for the Blind because the school I was at was residential and we're not only just in the classroom, we did therapy in different environments. We were collaborating with occupational therapists, physical therapists, doctors, orientation and mobility. And there's a variety of different professionals I was working with as well. And we're going into the community and that's really where it connected in terms of what adults and children that I work with over the years were saying, because I saw it as well firsthand. And it could be in the smallest ways or bigger ways. And from there, I thought, wow, this is really where I want to be able to utilize my background and my experience and all of the things that I've learned from each individual that I've worked with over the years of how can we really bridge this so that things are not isolated in one environment. We're seeing it from different environments and everything is interconnected. And that's where I wanted to start with social media as a start because we use social media every day in different capacities, whether it's through educating ourselves on something or following an influencer that we like And I saw a lot of room to be able to incorporate lived experiences of individuals with disabilities from all of different industries, all different environments, because 
when we look at anything, nothing is ever isolated in one environment. And when we start looking at things more interconnected, that's where I think we're continuing to really push forward and make build for a better future. So that's how I started the resource key because I thought marketing would really play into that and social media is really embedded in a lot of marketing as well. What steps did you take first when you made the decision that you wanted to kind of pivot from direct service to this more global focus on inclusion? Did you know where to start? Well, I really didn't know where to start, but I thought if I'm looking and really wanting to align and ensure the resource key is exactly how I imagine it to be, where it's authentic representation, you have to go to the source. And so for me, the source was reading different articles on people of different types of disabilities and different industries doing different incredible things within the community and leadership roles and all different spaces, as well as data and research in different industries. So for a year, I would say, I not only was reading, sharing articles, I would reach out to to different disability leaders, different individuals with different types of disabilities. We would talk and then now aligning with some of those same individuals, because I think it's just as important in terms of for the educational piece, for it also to come with someone that has lived experience and can be able to share their point of view, as well as advance in different areas and different industries, because the leadership is not just confined to one type of person. It can be anyone. And it doesn't have to be someone that's been doing something for many, many years. There's many different leaders in spaces. Really, you can lead in small ways and big ways. So those were some of the steps that I took. It's really just networking, building community, and now you know, continuing to share and work together with different individuals that I've met over this past year and currently as well. So in our past conversations together, you have expressed always having a strong connection to the disability community. Can you share more about that and what that means from your perspective? Yes. So it goes back to shared experiences. And for me, I am non-disabled Black woman. So there is a layer of intersectionality. So if it's workplace, okay, maybe I need to not wear my hair natural and curly hair because I may already not have a, a chance. Whereas if I were more straight and maybe more professional, like, so that's just one example. And through that, I think, you know, for me being passionate about disability inclusion, it's really being passionate about making sure that no one's left out. And so much of DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion is not including people with disabilities and they're one of the largest minority groups. Anyone can become disabled or maybe you don't know anyone that is disabled now, but maybe you may know someone tomorrow that has a disability. So I think there's all of these different perspectives, but at the end of the day, everyone is a human being. So I push so hard for disability inclusion because it's what I would want anyways. I I think, you know, in so many of my experiences, just as a Black woman, it's like pushing for this pushes forward everything. And so when I'm working with customers, it's huge because it's like you're working with the founder that 
of this company that is a black woman and that is discussing disability, bringing disability to the conversation. So we're tackling a lot of different aspects here. And I think that's what makes it even more important as well. You know, I am invested in this. And I think as we get more and more people talking and, and being just as invested, it allows it to move forward even faster because none of this can happen isolated or by yourself. There are so many important points that you just made wrapped up in that answer. And I really appreciate you sharing that, your vulnerability and being open about those aspects. And I think it's important for folks to be thinking about those detailed layers that can really impact how we think about ourselves and function and the pressures, especially for marginalized populations and communities. So I want to come back to the resource key a bit. And what's interesting to me is it really sounds like the resource key is sort of the powerful result of all of your passion sort of finding an intersection point. So I was hoping you could explain from your perspective, what's the connection there between communication and belonging? Well, communication is something we use every day. And so I think messaging especially is really important. That is a layer of communication. So even though you may not be verbally saying something, we're communicating something through what we're posting or how we're posting it and the tone that we're posting it. So all of those different things are really important now because so much of how we communicate now is through texting or posting. And it has the capability to be positive, negative, misinterpreted. So that's what I would say in terms of messaging. Take that extra second to think about what we were posting. When I write articles, a lot of times I'm collaborating with people of lived experiences with different types of disabilities. So that's another way I think of presenting authentic representation as well through how you're communicating. And the last one I would say would be like the accessibility in, let's say, for instance, even this podcast, you know, you all provide a transcript. So you're providing different ways of being able to get the messaging. and. One more thing that came to mind was plain language. Keeping the message very consistent and straight to the point is very helpful. You make an important point because regardless of what industry we're in, we're all guilty of that from time to time. And I think it seems like a small thing, but what it ultimately does is exclude people from wanting to join or having confidence in joining the conversation or the movement because they're thinking, I don't know these terms. I already feel like I'm an outsider. Yeah, I definitely think it's important to be able to have conversations like that because it allows trust to build and it also allows for you to feel that certain things are being taken into consideration. I'm always working too to make sure that I'm aligning with what I'm saying I'm doing and what I'm teaching. And so I think there's also room to know that you're always going to be learning and there's always room to be able to grow. So one of the things that I do is on my questionnaire for the meeting, I ask if any accommodations are uh, needed to be able to have a successful call. That's just embedded. I'm not sending it to someone that I assume may have a need accommodations or someone that you don't because you don't know. And I think that is a great example of if you're embedding different things into your business, 
it allows for whoever to need it to be able to take advantage. And some of the people that you may have assumed may not take advantage of something that you've implemented may actually take advantage of it. So what's good for one person may be good for everyone. And it points to universal accessibility, right? And how really when we apply those things, people without disabilities benefit, other populations, you know, benefit in different ways. And so I want to talk about roadblocks for a moment because there's plenty out there when we look at making progress around disability inclusion. And I wanted to get more of your thoughts on why you think that is. I think that there's a few different things. Companies really drive on a lot of data and there's a lot of data that is being left out. Um, But more importantly, I think it's just disability sometimes can be uncomfortable to people. And I think it goes back to messaging as well and the way disability has been portrayed. Whatever industry it is, how is disability being portrayed? Is it someone's not capable of doing something? And if you have that perception as a business, it's not going to be on your agenda. And that's why I think it goes back to a lot of just continuing to to provide, be able to provide the data statistics, and then also providing structures and implementation and partnerships to be able to move things forward. So I think steps like that are huge in terms of working with businesses and where I see the barriers are. Great points. I definitely agree. And I the fear aspect, and I, I think you referred to as kind of the discomfort around disability, I think is so common, especially when we think about even going back to childhood, right? Like for most of us, when we look at school systems and we look at the way our communities are built up, there's a lot of separation. And when we don't have experience with people with disabilities, there's misconceptions, there's fear, and we avoid things we're scared of. So I think it all kind of contributes to what you were getting to and speaking about in that disability isn't seen as a natural element of diversity, right? And that, and so we leave it out by default. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd want to add to that? Yeah, actually, I was going to add that you brought up a good point. You mentioned schools. I think that's going to be important too, because that's where a lot of times perceptions, all of these different things come in play where we're looking at businesses, but I think there's going to have to be at some point a link between the schools and the businesses because a lot of the things that maybe are things learned either intentionally or unintentionally to sometimes in the schools carry over into the workplace and how things are perceived because the conversations have to shift. You know, even when we talk about the language, I think special needs necessarily is not a word that Though it's a word that's frowned upon now, but it's also still used, you know, in the schools a lot. And so there's a big disconnect sometimes. And that's why I think we definitely have to continue to have these conversations and continue to move forward because there's these disconnects that happen. And it goes back to my point about everything is interconnected, but sometimes we treat it as it's disconnected. Well, I'm hoping that you can share a couple pointers from your perspective. So when thinking about the role that each of us play in creating inclusive cultures, we know that we have personal and professional roles. And I believe that all of us can contribute in in some way. And so I wondered if you have any ideas for action steps that people can apply in their everyday lives in terms of communication strategies to support inclusion. Sure. Yeah, I would definitely say 
social media accessibility, we all use it. Uh, a great way is if you're posting pictures, let's say Instagram, alternative text. So alt text, adding that to images is really important, especially if someone uses a screen reader. So someone that may use a screen reader could be a person that's blind or low vision or maybe dyslexia, or there's a number of different other types of people that may use a screen reader, but it's also very beneficial as well on websites to increase your SEO. Uh, it's also, let's say if a picture doesn't load properly, it's going to be able to provide a, a description of that picture. Build in your process where you're not just asking and picking and choosing or waiting for someone to ask for accommodations. You're already including it in your process of asking if someone needs accommodations and they can say yes or no. And then I would say listening to someone outside of your comfort zone that you may not usually be open to listening to. I think that's huge. And it, it could start with one person, but I think starting there is really huge because that's a big component of DEI. It's a big component of communicating. It's a big component, I think, of building towards a more inclusive future as well. And finally, one reflective question, and this is a tricky one, but something that we can ask ourselves to challenge our own ableist perceptions. Hmm. Let's see. Are my words and actions to someone else representing the person that I am or becoming? And if not, what is one way I can shift this? I love that. Really powerful. It just helps put things in perspective for me. I've so enjoyed chatting with you. It's always a pleasure to see you. We've gotten a chance to work together in different capacities, and I just think you're doing really great things and so glad to have a chance to hear from you, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for all the work that you're doing. And just it's really, really means a lot. I'd like to thank Jordan for sharing her story and insights with us. Click the link in the episode description to learn more about the resource key. Join us next time for a talk with Sam Theriault and Ross Edelstein, both museum professionals and self-advocates of the autism community. Until then, be a part of the inclusive movement by rating and subscribing to Amplify Inclusion and stay connected with us at AspireChicago.com. This episode was co-produced and engineered by Subframe Sound. This season is made possible thanks to generous contributions from First Bank of Highland Park and members of the Aspire community. <laughs>